Welcome to Chatterbox Hub Podcast. We aim to be your go-to resource for insights, advice and engagement with all things audio and not only. I'm your host, Julia Stancheva. In this podcast episode, we have put together the most frequently asked questions by clients. All the information you need to know to record and complete your audio project from start to finish. To help me answer these questions, I have invited in the studio Chatterbox Voice's very own agents and localization project managers, Joanna Sciocca and Luciano Cipolla. They are approachable, friendly audio localization experts with the creativity and experience to bring any project to life, who pride themselves on always going the extra mile. Their passion and personal touch has resonated with hundreds of businesses of every size, in every sector, all over the world. They have the industry insights, global reach and local knowledge to help you engage with your audience, whoever and wherever they are. What do you need to do to prepare for a voiceover recording? What format the script needs to be? How to choose the right voice talent for your project? How long does it take to record a voiceover? How much studio time is needed for the different projects? Would you need a voice language director? Can and should you attend a studio session? How to avoid re-records? How is the cost of your voiceover recording calculated? These and many more questions will be answered by Joanna and Luciano. Without further ado, let's bring the agents into our virtual studio. All right, go for it, Yulia, you podcast queen. The idea behind this podcast is basically to create a guide for clients. And most of your partners have worked with you for many years or come by way of recommendation. And they're from different walks of life, advertising agencies, publishers, games developers, corporate brands, etc. What do your clients need to do to prepare for a voiceover recording? That will be the first thing to start with. If they're a new client, I suppose they will need to um, provide a new client's form? Yes. So usually whenever a project is confirmed and we know it's going ahead with someone new, then we will obviously ask some information about the company just so we can add it to our system and kind of get the project set up and started. Following that, we will start asking all the questions pertaining to the project. Questions like, is the voiceover recording going to be used just for audio or is it going to be added to a video? Is essential. Is the audio going to be recorded wild or is it going to be synced with a video? What does the client need to provide video, ME tracks, etc. Luckily, we've got all of this covered by Mikosh, uh, our head of uh, sound. Perfect. But when it comes to, let's say, a video that needs um, to have subtitles, what do you need from the client? So from the client, we need for subtitles is a clean video. We ideally need a video of what they want to have subtitled. We ask the questions if they want us to provide them with the English SRT creation. Um, we ask them if they will be doing the translations their end or if they want us to do the translations. Um, and the same with if they want us to burn in the SRTs um, into the video. So to get a quote um, initially from the client, we just need to see the video and have those answers from them. Usually some clients will say to us, "Just set, we just want a quote for the English SRT. We will translate our end and burn into the video our end. So all of these factors 
major for the subtitles. Once we know what they want, then we can provide them with a full breakdown of a quote. Right. When it comes to the client sending out the script to you, what format does the script need to be? We know that some clients are sending Excel uh, spreadsheets or PowerPoint presentations, (laughs) but ideally all you need is really a Word document, right? Ideally, you know, a lot of clients now have started giving us SRT files because they've obviously had them for subtitles and then they say you can use the same subtitled creation for for the voiceover recording. On one hand, that's absolutely fine when it's a small job. On the other hand, sometimes SRT files are created for subtitles for a reason because it's a character requirement. So it doesn't always work for um, voiceover. But ideally, we prefer Word. I mean, Excel is fine. I think certain people get annoyed with Excel because tabs are never open enough or the engineer has missed, you know, a column or so forth. So ideally, I mean, I know I prefer a Word document. You know, it's much easier on the eye, I think. Yeah. I think obviously depends like on the complexity of the project. Video games, for example. Exactly. Like take like a video game where you have so many characters in game and so many dialogues and some of them are cinematics and some of them are banters or whatever. When you're laying out a script for an entire game, it's I think as a developer or whoever it is setting it up, it's so much easier to have everything in one place. But the only disadvantage to that is that these kinds of document documents tend to have a lot of columns. Mm. Um, and then some of the columns are, they have wrapped text. Some of them don't. Some of them are like really long columns that take all of the screen, sometimes require extra work when we're giving Excel sheets. It does require some work. But yeah, I think Word is so simple and straight to the point you yeah. just read what's on paper and that's it exactly you have a pool of more than 1000 professional voice artists um, covering 80 plus languages on your books and i can imagine it is quite tricky for some clients to choose the right voice actor based on a large selection of suitable voice actors how do you help clients to choose the right voice for their project i mean that all depends on what information we get from the client as well because when we get a brief the client usually will tell us you I want a male or I want a female or I want options for both Um, we're looking for a northern voice we're looking for an RP voice we're looking for a European voice so you know that information usually is given to us sometimes we are given a brief where it's just yeah we just need an English voice male So we take it upon ourselves to select an English voice that may have an accent, that may be just RP. And, you know, obviously age um, can factor into it as well. We put that all together and then we can send it to the client. And from there, we will say to them, let us know if you like anyone in particular. And happy to do auditions for you as well. Because as you know, demos do not always reflect what the client wants for a brief. If you want something specific, then we are happy to do an audition. Give us a segment of your script, give us some direction, and the voice will be able to do that 
And then you'll be able to hear how you want that person to sound for your particular project. Fantastic. Does it happen sometimes for a client to regret the choice that they have made with a particular voice? Has it ever happened before? It's like, oh, they went for the wrong voice and now they want to re-record the project. Yes, for me it has. It's actually for one of our main clients and it wasn't anything to do with the fact that we they disliked the voice. They selected her, they went through the process, we actually did auditions. Um, but when it came to the actual recording, the client felt that the delivery wasn't as good as they'd hoped it would be. So that person, unfortunately, um, didn't get the usage for the job because we had to then go and find another voice for that particular project who met the person's, you know, specifications. But it has happened where you go through that vigorous audition process and yes, yes, we're great, we're happy. And then it comes to the recording and it's flat. And it's not how they wanted mm. it. Is there anything that the client could have done or should have done to avoid the disappointment? Like, obviously, there's a client and there's an end client and so on, right? So sometimes there's this process where maybe they select the voice and then the recording is done and et cetera, et cetera. And then when they meet again to kind of do the final touches, either the project changes So the requirements change, the, the brief is changed, or the picture changes. And if the picture changes, then they might consider, oh, actually, this voice is no longer suitable for this. It happened to me. We had one of our um, Hindi voices who was selected, recorded the whole project. Uh, there was usage attached to the project as well. And then the last step was the kind of final tweaks to the video. And then suddenly, the whole video changed. The project kind of... Um, had to be re-looked at. You know, it wasn't necessarily the voice not being suitable for it, but it was more of a change done at the last minute, which is very frustrating as a talent, I think, not to know that your voice is not going to be picked anymore. Yeah. And it just kind of depends on, you know, choices and decisions made in, in the hire. In the creative team behind the project. Yeah, in the creative team, exactly. For a client, what would be the best way for them to make their communication with their project manager slash agent more efficient? Do you have any tips based on your experience? What would make your work with clients easier? Know what they want, <laughs> basically. <laughs> send um, scripts on time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from A to Z, you know, send a brief outlining everything you need. Send us the videos if videos are needed the translated scripts the or the English scripts. Um, a deadline is always good to know because we're always ending up having to have this, oh, when do you want to record? Oh, tomorrow. And it's, you know, a rush, rush thing to get things done. And be friendly and communicate with us and be as honest with us as we are honest with our clients. You know, if we have a good rapport with clients, things get done Well, if you're scatty and you're unorganized, then things cannot always go the way that you want it to go. Yeah. It's super helpful for us when we can get as much information as possible in one go. But if we are not provided with deadlines, for example, that's that's one of the key elements, right? Yeah. If you need this for tomorrow or if you need this 
in six months, then that changes everything. And sometimes we're not given that information. And obviously looking at the material, because without it, I don't really know what the project entails. And how much studio time will be required. And that comes uh, my next question. Something that some clients just really don't grasp the idea of how much studio time is needed for each particular project. And then you have to educate them. You have to explain why some projects are taking much longer than others. How do you calculate the studio time needed for these projects? You know, it's all based on the word count that we are provided with, the how long the series of the project is, for example, dubbing a TV series, we'd need to check how many episodes they need to do, how many characters are needed. With games and ADR, it's a slightly more, it's slightly more kind of difficult process to be able to just throw a kind of um, a figure out there in an amount of time. But something like a corporate, you know, when you get a script that's 200 words for a corporate or you get a script that's you know under 3000 words you know that that would just need one hour in the studio if it's a wild recording you know if it's to a video that has specific specifications like lip sync then you know you would need slightly longer in the studio to record if it's phrase sync then you start and end at the same time as the video and you know, okay, this can still be managed in in an hour. E-learning projects, it depends what kind of courses they are. We have e-learning projects that could last a day um, in the studio or they could last an hour. We have educational projects that um, entail six scripts and they only need one hour in the studio. Sometimes, of course, if you have the client listening in, we need to remind the client of the duration of the session. So within that hour, for example, if we say it's going to take one hour to record, then we need to make sure that any requests for additional takes are done within that hour. Otherwise, you risk, for example, recording a script and then the client may be listening in and saying, oh, can we, you know, can we record this paragraph in three different styles? So you need to take into account as a client that if you are going to request those kind of things, that they are requested within that time frame. Otherwise, of course, we always try and give flexibility to clients to overrun if they have to. But obviously, if they are aware beforehand that, you know, this script is realistically going to take half an hour to record. So you might have an extra half hour to request additional takes or different deliveries and styles. And do you encourage clients to attend sessions, whether it, they are remotely or attending the sessions in person? Always, always. And I think especially now with the current climate where it's a bit trickier to, you know, visit a studio in person, it's so easy now to set up a, a Zoom meeting, a Teams meeting, a Skype session, anything that kind of allows you to listen in. That's the best thing always to do because you're going to you're going to be listening live to what's being recorded and you could already flag potential issues or again request an alternative take yeah. if you wanted to. And it also helps prevent the re-records. Yes. You know, it's it's always good to have a client listening in, especially if it's an animation about a particular project that needs to show emotion or the way that 
sometimes a delivery of a recording isn't always up to the standard of the client, but if they weren't listening in, then we can't get any direction from them. And I'm always honest with them. If you do not listen in and you are unhappy, then you will have to pay for a re-record. We always try to tell them you should listen in just to get some, you know, just to be happy with the end delivery that you'll get for your project. It's your project at the end of the day. Yeah. I guess it's also very helpful to have a language voice director attending the session, not just the client. Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially when it comes to games, audiobooks, a language director, a linguist, you know, definitely. I know we have a particular huge client of ours that sends us a lot of e-learning projects. And these are so big that it definitely would need a language director to listen in because a voice could, you know, forget a word, skip a sentence and the issues and, you know, the emails we'll have to deal with coming back from the client is, is just crazy. Even small projects, even small animations, you know, and small corporates. I say that sometimes if there's specific acronyms or something that we're not aware of, it's, it's good to have somebody like a language director listening in just to be able to give an alternative. Yeah, absolutely. And this will also help avoiding any re-records. Yeah, absolutely. Which would, would otherwise incur additional cost to the project. Yeah. There are also like recurrent projects that I think on the long run don't necessarily require anyone to listen in. One, because maybe you will always have the same talent assigned to those projects. They, they're kind of used to yeah. the lingo. They're, they understand the kind of delivery the product is you know, aiming for. When the session is happening in the studio, whether it is in person or remotely, um, is there anything particular that voice actors and clients and uh, language directors need to do to make sure that the work in the studio is done easy, uh, flows smoothly, and ob obviously it is all done within the booked time session? I know me and Luciano's agents, we're always always out like trying to get the script from the client at least two three days in advance before the recording as any voice actor knows it's always good to prepare and all and have a look before you come into the session so if you've read the script and you've flagged up any issues then the session can run smoothly and within the time allocated because you know what you're recording of course there's never always you know the perfect day where you get a script and you know there's some days where it's here's the script one one minute before the session it's life <laughs> you know it happens things for us that become smooth is when we have the videos in time we have the scripts in in time the voice has prepared the voice has come back and asked us any questions I think for both me and Luciano when a voice asks us about the script one hour before the session and they've had the script three days we kind of get a bit frustrated because we believe that we are doing a lot of admin for you you can take an hour of your day to read the script 
at least a day in advance and come back to us with any questions. Yeah, not to leave things till the very last moment. Yeah, especially if there is no client listening in or no language director listening in. We then have to try and contact the client, ask them this. They have to then contact their client, which has to contact their client, which has to contact their client, mm-hmm. you know, to find an answer. And it ends up that we're doing alternatives, you know, do your homework before you come in and the session will run smoothly. It will run smoothly for the engineers that they have all of their assets. Um, It runs smoothly that the voice is on time, that they are, you know, ready to go. And um, yeah, and that makes for a perfect session. Well, when it comes to formulating the cost, what factors need to be taken into consideration when you calculate the cost like for example usage fee etc so factors that we have to take into consideration is always good to have the word count of the script so we know how long we would need for the voice and the studio and obviously the usage tv online radio um, events cinema so many different factors to usage now i think with the With what's happened with COVID, a lot more things are now online. And, you know, YouTube is seen now as a, I would say, like a second TV (laughs) channel. So you have to take in the factor that lots of people watch YouTube. You know, these paid adverts are like an advert on TV. Do you ever have clients who are not aware of what the usage fee is? Yes. (laughs) Yes. If, for example, we, we were having clients listening to this podcast who wouldn't know what the usage fee is, would you be able to explain it in a nutshell to them? So usage fee is essentially, for example, you are using that voiceover's voice to promote your brand, whether it being on TV, whether it being online, which is YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, a presentation on an events stage, Um, radio channels, Spotify, different platforms that are for your voice to kind of be heard by the public. If you are doing TV, for example, it would be great if we had impressions or TVRs so we can calculate how, how long you'll be using the advert for. If it's going online, for example, YouTube, how long it will be online for, one year, two years, three years in perpetuity. Radio is usually three months, six months, nine months or 12 months. That's why you would pay usage. You're using that um, voice to promote your product. With the idea of usage and online, it's such a like gray area at the moment, I think. Yes. Because... Once things are placed online, they kind of stay there forever. So a client will come and say, you know, I just want usage for one year and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on uh, uh, YouTube and Vimeo and uh, social media platforms. We know with the idea of, you know, resharing, screen recording, yeah. people can easily keep those files forever. And that makes it in perpetuity like it's constantly living on the internet so it's never really fading away so we have to take that into account as well if maybe we're dealing for example with like high-end brands or with charity or with charity yeah well with charity is a bit different right you have to take charity with a pinch of salt charities make a lot of money 
And I'm not deterring away from the fact that they are a charity, but, you know, charities can make a lot of money and they can use that platform of we don't have enough, you know, money to pay for usage. It's unfair to ask that of a talent to do it for free when we know you make a lot of money as a company. But of course we, you know, we do negotiate. We won't do the high end usage. Um, we can always discuss with the client what budget they have. Yeah. Charities are, a, are one of those. Hmm, gray areas. Gray areas. <laughs> <laughs> and when a project is finished and if it means to be published, how can the client maximize the awareness of it in terms of promotion? For example, sending the link to the project, uh, to the agent and to the voice so they can share it on their social media channels. Would you encourage the client to do that? Definitely. I think we always like to have end products. I think we do a lot more of the chasing to the clients than the clients send to us. It's a, Most of the time, it's the voices saying, oh, I'd really love that excerpt of what I recorded so I can put it on my showreel or I'd like to put it on my social media. And, you know, some clients are very happy to send it to us. And then there's other clients that just completely... Um, They're too busy to do it. Or maybe they don't realize how important it is even for the promotion of their project. Exactly. Yes, like a mutual promotion, literally. Because you're promoting the brand and you're promoting the talent. So it's a, you know, it's a give and take. It's beneficial for both parts. And I think it's, I'm, I'm just surprised that it's not like common practice. And finally, before we wrap this up, what is the final step? Money, money, money. Yes, the final step of the voiceover recording process. Money. What are the most common questions that you get from clients? Can we have this for 50 <laughs> Oh, can I have this for end of day? Oh, my God. The, the, the money thing is what I love is we're on a budget. And you go, right, you're on a budget, but you want five actors, you want to record, you know, a TV series and it has to go on TV. Okay, what budget do you have? You know, don't tell me you're on a budget, tell me the budget. I mean, in terms of um, the payments from the client, it's once they've filled out the new client form, if they're brand new, you know, payment from the client is literally just about trust. But also I think it's like the lot of questions we get are related to, you know, the session fees. Um, obviously it kind of changes from area to area in a sense of if you're dealing with like an e-learning project, it's most likely going to be a lower session fee than say like a TV commercial recording. There's questions coming from clients in terms of like, you know, how do we, wh why does, why do prices change, right? From project to project, for example, that same question will come from the voice. So they may receive a certain fee for one project because it's for a commercial, but then maybe when you're dealing with audiobook projects where the fees are, they're lower and the process of it is yeah. also different, different. It's, it's such a big industry and there are so many different kind of rules and 
kind of um, equity agreements to look at and what is standard practice, what is fair, what is also fair for the talent and for the work done by the agency, because there's a lot of work done behind the scenes, you know, um, that we don't necessarily need to share or have to share, but there's definitely a lot of work. So there's that to take into account as well when dealing with an agency and booking talents. And as uh, Joe said, it comes down to trust and trust is in the foundation of a strong relationship that you endeavor to have with each of your clients. Absolutely. And they will turn into recurring clients. Absolutely. Which is a testimony for the work that you do. Have we missed any other most frequently asked question that we need to mention in this podcast? I think you've covered everything. These questions have been very, very thought out. So yeah, I think you've covered everything from studio to voice to usage to delivery. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've done it. Yeah, it's time for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you virtually. You're a joy, Yulia. Let's go enjoy some sunshine. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode with Chatterbox's very own agents and localization managers, Joanna Shioka and Luciano Cipolla. In our next episode, we will continue exploring the most frequently asked questions by clients about all the technical aspects of voiceover recordings in a professional studio with the aid of a very knowledgeable guest, Mikush Nanazi, who is the head of sound at Alchemy Post Studios. And lastly but not least, if you are enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate it and leave a review. And do check out the other episodes if you want to hear more inspirational guests.